Praise God. God is great, amen? Yeah. yeah, we serve a great and awesome God, and it's just great to be able to uh, worship Him. And I always love when we sing that uh, little medley, kind of combining How Great Is Our God and uh, the great old hymn, uh, the chorus of the great old hymn, How Great Thou Art, because it just seems like young and old just kind of sing out of, uh, of God's praises. And He's so worthy of, uh, of all of our praises to be lifted up. Um, we are in the second part of a, a series that we're doing on prayer, uh, and we're talking a little bit about repentance and petition today, and the importance of, of prayer in our life. And so we, we decided it's important as a, a church that we kind of start off the year saying, we think prayer is important, and communication with God every single day should be part of our life, and it's just such a crucial thing that... We also, last week, we began the series by saying prayer is more than just bowing our head and closing our eyes and having that time in, in prayer. There are different aspects of prayer, and so we're kind of taking each week in January to cover a few different aspects of prayer. Now, your prayer time at night or morning or during the day, it may include all of these things, but it's important to recognize as a church that prayer is more than just any one certain sentence or uh, prayer that we read or say to God. Prayer is our communication with God. It's a, a two-way street of speaking to God uh, what's on our hearts, what's on our minds, and, and listening to God, allowing Him to challenge our life and to bring peace and comfort and healing to us, direction to us. And uh, last week we talked about part of prayer, our communication with God, is, is our praise and worship. Uh, the singing you may do, uh, maybe it's listening music, our attitude of openness to God, He's so worthy of our praise. And uh, our, our praise and adoration, our worship for God can be our communicating with God. We're speaking to Him, thanking Him for who He is. This week we're talking a bit about uh, repentance and uh, petition. Submitting completely to God. Trusting in His plans rather than ours. Letting go of self and sin and uh, letting go of our own plans and trusting God with our life, laying before Him the things that we want, but trusting Him with it. And we're good at telling God what we want, aren't we? But sometimes we're not so good at just letting go of those things and trusting Him with them. And so we want to talk a little bit about, um, about these things this week. And uh, later on uh, in the series, in fact, um, next week we're talking about uh, intercessory prayer and, uh, and Murray's uh, bringing the message for that. And uh, we are so thankful for this series on prayer. And I just want to challenge you to come along each week and to be challenged in new ways in which we can communicate with God. Some of this familiar stuff. We all know we're supposed to be communicating with God every day. Uh, but there's different aspects of that which are so important in our life. One of the things that we often seem to neglect as a church is submitting to God. We were good at singing His praises and kind of going about doing different work and ministry of the church, but letting go of our own plans and just trusting God, letting go or admitting even that we have wrong in our life and giving that over to God, asking Him for forgiveness and healing and hope, we tend to neglect that. Now, we tend to think as a church often that repentance is for a new a new Christian, someone who, who first comes to Christ, they repent of, of their sins and they ask God to forgive them. And there's that instant cleansing, and there is, and that we're justified of that sin, so it's just as if we'd never sinned. And so that's kind of a, we've ticked that box and we don't need to repent anymore. 
But we, will, we find in the Scriptures continual calling back to God, a continual asking God to forgive us of our sins and our corruption, to lead us in His ways rather than ours. A continual desire of God for us to trust Him and to submit to Him, even our faults, even our wrongs, and to say, God, I need you, and I need your direction in my life. I want to read a, a very familiar passage from uh, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses um, 11 to 13. Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning verse 11, says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you that your ways are so much greater than our ways, that you know so much more than we do, and that we can trust you with our lives. And God, even in times in which we have failed you, and often that's the case, we can come to you and we can trust you with even that. We can bring our, our broken self to you, God, and we can fall before you and you bring forgiveness and healing and hope. You ask us, God, through the good and the bad, you ask us to trust you, to trust in your plans, to follow in your ways. And God, thank you that your word promises as we seek you, we will find you. And in you, God, we find strength, we find shelter, we find rest. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have in you. May we, God, be a people who just submit to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love the story of a young boy who, um, growing up, he had difficulty with the letter R. Now, or R, as you might say. Yeah. You may use Australians, he couldn't say the letter R. I don't know, like Americans do. But anyway, he, he was growing up and he, he couldn't say the letter R. And so, rather than just kind of stumbling on words that um, contain the letter R, this boy tended to just completely evade the letter altogether. So he would change his sentences so he didn't have to say the letter R. And uh, he was so embarrassed by it. So his mom and dad put him in some speech therapy, and uh, the lady begins by giving him this sentence. And she said, look, I want you to go home and just practice this every day. Say this sentence so that next week when you come back in, you can say this for me. And uh, the sentence is, Robert gave Richard a rap in the ribs for roasting a rabbit so rare. Okay? I wanna, well, I'll write that down for you so you can say that seven times fast. Okay? Uh, Robert gave Richard a rap in the ribs for roasting a rabbit so rare. So the next week, the boy comes back in, and she said, have you been practicing a sentence? And he said, yes, I've got it down. He said, I, I've got this. I've really been working hard on this. And she said, all right, let's hear it. She said, the sentence is, Robert gave Richard a rap in the ribs for roasting a rabbit so rare. Now your turn. And he said, Bob gave Harry a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. <laughs> so he had practiced his sentence, and he had it down pat, but he, uh, he completely evaded the letter R. Now I think uh, churches sometimes are, are good at uh, avoiding 
uh, our own needs for the letter R for repentance. We, uh, we talk a lot about the praise and the love of God, the grace of God, and yet so often we fail to receive that. We fail to actually trust God with, with our brokenness, with our wrong that we've done. For repentance is more than just asking God to forgive the kind of small stuff that we do each day. It's complete surrender to God, complete for forgiveness, complete openness before a great God. It's giving God everything, even the things that we may not want to, the things that we would like to hide, the things that we want to pretend isn't there, the wrongs that we have in our life that, that maybe very few people know about. God asks us to be an open book with Him, to surrender all of that wrong and all of uh, those sins and all of that corruption, to admit that we are fallen people. And to trust, not in our own strength, because we are fallen people, but to trust in our great God. Now, we, we often will say scriptures like Romans 3.23 that says, We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Romans 3.10 that says, There's not any of the who are righteous, not even one. Christ was the only one. We all miss the mark. We all miss the target. And we fall short of God's glory. And we know the payment for that sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. Isaiah 64 or 6 says, Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Like the winds, sin sweeps us away. It happens to every one of us. We have to recognize as a church, part of our prayer is repentance, saying, God, I'm a fallen person. My life is full of sin and corruption and wrong. I do wrong every day. And by my very nature, I'm sinful. And I need you as my Savior. We don't just need our Savior once in our life. When we first surrender to life, we need our Savior every single day. He's continually saving us from sin. He's continually leading us on the right path. Continually picking us back up and leading us in the right way. We need to recognize our need for repentance and admit that we all mess up sometimes. We need to let go of that hurt and that corruption. Acts chapter 20, verse 21, says we must turn away from sin and turn towards God, leaving everything behind and just completely surrendering to Him. It means every, not just the, we say, oh, we give God the, the door of our, our hearts and we just let Him into our heart. Or sometimes we've got a few locked closets there or, or locked uh, cupboards or whatever it is uh, in our heart that we say, oh, no, God, you can't have that part. God wants us to surrender every part of us to Him. And this turning from sin to God, that's what repentance is about. It's not just about saying the wrong that we've done and admitting that we've done wrong, but turning away from that sin and saying, God, I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to try my best to follow Your way. I'm going to leave that, God, because... That way is leading to, to destruction. That way is making a mess of things. I'm going to trust you. God, I want to completely surrender everything. And you know what happens when we do this? God forgives. He shows so much mercy and grace. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess the sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness. Isn't that beautiful? If we confess a sin, if we just let him have it, 
Confessing is not just saying we've sinned, but it's letting go of that. If we're willing to let go of that, we're willing to turn from that sin, He forgives and He cleanses us from all that unrighteousness. It's like it's not there anymore. He wipes the slate clean and He leads us in His ways everlasting. We can trust God with it all, without condition. He forgives completely. Now, we may not be so good at that. We hold on to things, don't we? Somebody might come up and say, Oh, mate, I'm sorry I did that. And you say, Oh, that's, that's all right. And then when they leave, you go, Oh. You might ring your wife or whatever and say, Oh, guess what? This person came in and said sorry. And we just we hold what they've done against them so often because they do it the next time and we go, That's it. That's three strikes. You're, you're out. You're out of the club. Yeah? I'm not hanging out with you anymore. And um, we all tend to, to hang on to the wrongs that people do. And, and I don't know why we just carry it with us. And we, we say we forgive, but we just never forget. And there's the old you know, saying, oh, I forgive, but I don't forget. You know, I, I hold it there. Well, that's not really truly forgiving, is it? Because we're not letting go of them. God, when He forgives, it's gone. He lets go of that all. Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12 talks about that God puts our sin as far as the east is from the west. He just is just continually, uh, it, it's gone. Uh, there's no meeting up of the two. It's forever gone. Second Chronicles 7.14, one of my favorite passages from the Old Testament, says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. When we let go and we trust God, there is hope. When we let go and we trust God, there's forgiveness and there's mercy. You wonder why we as a church, as a people of God, hold on to anything. Because the Bible promises over and over again, if we just surrender it to God, if we just admit that we're not perfect, we admit that we have fallen parts of us we admit that parts of us aren't perfect parts of us are still in darkness and we say god i need you to take this bit and when we let go of that he forgives and he wipes the slate clean and he leads us back on the right path he picks us up he loves us he doesn't want you to be drugged down by that sin and guess what whether you're going to admit it to god or not he knows that sin's there and he sees that dragging you down he sees that holding you back from being the husband you need to be, the wife you need to be, the, the, the co-worker you need to be, the person you need to be. He, he stops us from the ministry that we need to do as a church. He stops us from working together in love. God sees all that, and He longs to have us give it to Him because He wants what's best for us. He wants to see us have an abundant life. And He says, if you just let go of that, I will forgive you and I'll lead you back in the right way. God longs for us to come to Him in repentance, to lay our hearts before Him, our brokenness. And though our hearts are, are broken and, and battered and bruised, we can give them to God. And He provides healing and forgiveness and grace. Part of our prayer, probably every day, part of our prayer needs to be that of repentance. And some of it, it's saying, God, I've done it again. I've gone there again. I've failed you in this way again. You know that closet that you just cleaned out last week? 
It's full again. Time to go again. Now, I don't want to offend anyone here who's a hoarder, but have you ever seen anyone who's just a massive hoarder? Yeah. Like some people, some people just don't know when enough's enough, do they? They just keep on collecting. They keep on piling it up. And uh, there was a, a hoarder in the community in, in Blacktown, and uh, I may have told you a story, but they fill up, uh, she filled up, she and her husband filled up their whole house, and they had, they to, have, they had to move out. And they, they built a house behind their house, and the idea originally was they were going to clean out the first house and they're going to live in one and rent out one. But they started living in the new house that they built and that started again. And they started building up. And before long they had two houses that they couldn't walk around in the rooms in any longer. And her mom passed away and she inherited her house. And so guess where they moved? To her house. And they started all over again. And I visited this lady and literally when you walk in the house... That's as far in as you can get. You can't, there's, there was nowhere to move around. And she goes, oh, if, if you need something from the kitchen, it's through here. And there was this little narrow path in between magazines and stacks of clothes and gifts and things that she had bought. And um, there were ministry groups who, um, who had worked with them in years past. And they've, they've come, we've talked about how can we help this family. And they said, oh, I don't know. Because they just, they keep on going right back to it again. And they had a ministry who came and they hired out a, a, a skip bin, not, not a normal skip bin. This is like an 18-wheeler kind of skip bin there. They had a truck move in, and they're literally unloading stuff in, out of this house into the bin that was just rubbish. Some of it just smelt horrible. It sat there for, for months and sometimes years. And this lady, as some of the youth and young people were putting stuff into the bin, she was getting stuff back out of the bin and bring you back into the other place. It was like, you know, I, I want to let this go. Oh, maybe not that one. I'll, I'll hold on to that one. Wait, wait, that's good. That's good. And you think, what for? You're never going to use that. But it's good. They, they've got to hold on to it. Well, so often we're like that with our sin. So often we're going, God, I need a fresh start. I need a clean out. And if I just get this clean out, if I get my house looking great, I'll, I'll just leave it that way. And I'll be on the right path. Help me get on the right path, and I'm there. And, and we do that, and before we look around, the closet's full again, and the room's full again. You know, we're, we're renting our house, and we have inspections every few months. And for inspection day, our house is immaculate. It looks great. And every time, every time, all of our family are like, wouldn't it be great if we just live like this all the time? Wouldn't it be great if we just put our dishes away and we, we clean our rooms, we look after, and everyone's like, yeah, that's great. We're going to do it this time. Guess what happens about the next day after the inspection? <laughs> Everything's back to how it always is. And, but so often the sad thing is that's how we live with God. And say, God, I, I'm ready this time. I'm going to live for you. I'm dedicated and I'm committed. That sounds good. This clean life is great. And we walk in it, but before we look, there's a bowl laying here and there's some clothes laying there and we need some tidying up to do. We as a church have to admit we don't always have it all together. It's not always inspection day. And everything's not always immaculate. And sometimes it seems when everyone comes to church like everything's perfect and everything's wonderful and everyone else's place is immaculate except for ours. And we're embarrassed because of the sin and corruption. Well, guess what? 
We are all full of sin and corruption. We are all fallen people. The Bible says, as wonderful as you people are, the Bible says no one is perfect, not even one. We all fall and come short of God's glory. We all need His mercy again and again and again. Part of our prayer has to be petition, uh, uh, repentance, coming to God and surrendering to Him. And part of it needs to be petition, letting God know what we need every day and trusting Him with it. Letting God know what we need socially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and trust Him to do the work. Now, I mentioned earlier we're good at letting God know what we need or telling Him our plans. We're not very good at just surrendering to Him and saying, God, You know my needs. Just look after me. God, I'm open to do what You've called me to do today. Let me talk to whoever you want me to talk to. God, guide my time so that you come first. We're good at telling God what we think we want and how we want things to work out. We're not so good at surrendering things and just trusting Him with it. So He says, yeah, tell me what you need and trust me with it. I'll provide these things, but also just surrender to Him. Luke chapter 12, verse 29 and 31 says... Don't set your heart on what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Now, this is hard for Baptists. We like to eat and we like to drink. We set our hearts on the barbecue coming up or whatever it is. It says, don't set your heart on these things, on what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about it. Because the pagan world runs around after such things. And your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you as well. Put God first. Trust Him those things will they'll come into play. God will provide for you. He knows what you need far more than you do. He will take care of these things as we focus on Him. Philippians 4.19 says, He will meet our needs according to His riches and glory. And they are great. This is the Creator of the ends of the earth. The Creator of everything we know who has all power and all authority, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He owns it all, and He promises to look after us. He knows our need, and He, above anyone, is able to meet those needs. Psalm 50, verse 10 says, above other things, is that He owns every creature and He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I know I mentioned once before, Lottie Moon, the great missionary to China, who lived in a, amongst a people who were starving to death. Sometimes her missionary money or funding would, would run low. And she said, I never worry about the finances because she said, my father owns the cattle of a, a, on a thousand hills and if I'm ever in need, I'll just ask him to sell a cow. And I love that because it's such a simple faith. Going, my father, our God has it all. Why worry about these things? When God says, trust me, and I will come through for you. Let him know what we need, yes, but trust him with those needs. Surrender it all. God cares about what we need. He cares about us. He doesn't want us to just talk to him in the good days, but in the difficult days, cry out to him. In the difficult days, we can surrender to him as well. Psalm 86, verse 7 says, In the day of my trouble, I call to you, I will call to you, for you will answer me. 
Second Samuel 22, 7 says, In my distress I called to the Lord. I called out to my God. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. He heard and responded with strength and might. Now I want to challenge you actually. Go back later today and read through 2 Samuel 22. Because when God heard, he responded. It says he came in, in thun- the clouds thundered with the wrath of God. And he came to provide healing and, and, and salvation. He saved the one who cries out to him. He cares about you. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? The creator of all the universe loves you. He cares for you. And we have the right, because we are the child of God Almighty, to come to him with what we need. Not just when everything's great, not just to put on our Sunday face and smile and sing his praises in church, but we have the right, as a child of God, to come to him when we're struggling and to say, God, it hurts. God, I'm in pain and I don't understand this struggle. I'm in distress. I'm in a difficult situation here, God, and I need you. He will hear us and he will answer and he will provide for us. And you know what he helps? He helps us carry that load. He helps carry those burdens. The Old Testament says in Psalm 55, 22, cast all your cares unto him and he will sustain you. He never suffers the righteous to be moved. Isn't that great? Cast all your cares unto him, and he'll sustain you. He will pull you through. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus is talking. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I grew up on a small little farm. Now, lucky in my day, we didn't have to yoke up the animals and, uh, and use this, but they, they kind of like to relive the olden days uh, in our little farming community, and they often had uh, wagon trains that would come through the community. Now, wagon trains literally are covered wagons pulled by mules uh, that would just, you know, a whole train of them that would go from one community to the other that have camp outs and uh, just kind of enjoy that sort of life. Now, if you have... A young mule is uh, raised up, ready to start carrying the wagon. They never pair it with another young mule because it's just chaos. Now, mules are stubborn animals. Literally, you say you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, you can't even lead a mule to water if he doesn't want to go. A mule is stubborn as me. And he will go where he wants to go when he wants to go unless he's trained properly uh, growing up. And even then, they're moody things. And uh, so what you do is, uh, if you get two young mules there, you say go, they're just going to go if they want to, or they're just going to stand there and say, you pull the wagon, I'm not pulling it. <laughs> they, they have a mind of their own, and you're not going to get anywhere with the two young ones. What you do is you, you yoke, uh, or you put the yoke on the back of uh, a young mule with an old mule, and the old teaches the young how to go when they're told go. Much more than you can train them, they train one another. And the young and the old together will pull uh, the wagon, the weight of this wagon as they have the yoke across their back. Jesus actually says, yoke up with me. Walk side by side with me. He said, I will teach you. I will 
teach you. He says, yoke up with me. Allow me to carry that burden with you, the weight with you, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus, our Savior, doesn't just save us once and for all. He continually walks with us every single day to carry those burdens, to teach us how to be humble, to teach us how to surrender to Him, and to teach us when to walk and how to walk the right pace, to carry the load that God has called us to bear, to ease that burden as He carries it with us. Prayer can be worship and praise, letting our heart cry out in adoration to our great God. Prayer is also leaving our cares with Christ and trusting Him with the most intimate details of our life. This includes letting Him know our secrets, our shame, and our sin. I just want to challenge you this morning to spend a moment just opening your heart to God. Try giving Him complete control. Ask God for complete forgiveness and cleansing and completely trust Him with the concerns in your heart. So often, we as a church are concerned about all the wrong things. We worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink or how we're going to pay for things or what we should do next when God wants us to trust Him. Try as a church laying our plans before Him and watch the miracles He can do. Let's just pray. God, I thank You and I praise You that You love us, God, not just when we have it all together, but You show mercy and grace to a broken people because that's us. And God, I pray that you bring us to a place as a church that we can admit that we don't always all have it together. We are broken and we are sinful people. And as soon as you cleanse us and lead us back in the right way, we stumble and we fall. God, help us to encourage each other, to support each other, to come to you and to trust you with our brokenness. Because only you, God, can completely heal. Only you, God, can completely restore. Only you, God, can completely forgive and cleanse us and justify us just as if we'd never sinned. Thank you, God, for the way that you love us. Thank you for the mercy and the grace that you've shown us, not just at the cross in buying our salvation, but every single day as we come to you and we ask your forgiveness, you provide mercy and grace and forgiveness and hope and you lead us back in the right way. God, I thank you that you know our needs far more than we do. Even before we ask, God, you were able to care for them. And you want us just to trust you. So God, we pray that we submit to you. That the things we lay before you be things of humility, things of grace, things of surrender. And saying, God, I want to trust in your ways. I want to trust in your plans because I know that you want what's best for us. Your plans, God, are to bring us a hope and a future. And God, you will be found as we just seek you. We, may we spend our days crying out to you. May we spend our days trusting you. May we spend our days worshiping you in constant communication with you through prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.